ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the Patreon, Patreon patron version for the patrons beyond everything. Uh, still getting the kinks out on this, even though uh, I don't even know when you'll be hearing. Thanks, patrons, and uh, let's keep this uh, show going. Uh, hey, you have all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble with getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is try to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, physical sensations, you know, life events, mysterious things, mysterious poses, you know. Uh, like uh, travel, changes in routine, you know, summer in school and all that stuff. W- whatever it is that's keeping me awake, I'd like to, to take your mind off of that. This, I guess, is to distract you. So what I'm going to do is, as I said, is create a safe place. And what I mean by that, uh, what I mean by it is I hope this is a place where you feel like you can let your guard down, where you can, where you feel welcome because I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you found your way here. And on the deepest level I could possibly yearn, I hope this podcast grants you some relief uh, via distraction, uh, via, like, a companionship, or mostly just via, via, via mispronunciation or via... via yeah, we, don't do these porky pig things on purpose, but by by, uh, by silly stuff or whatever the other thing I was going to say that I forgot when I couldn't pronounce it. I want you to be able to breathe and rest. Uh, or I want to create a, play, a place that enables that, uh, you know, kind of like a little mini fortress uh, where you feel like you could have a little vacation. That's uh, Captain's Holiday is the episode we're going to be covering tonight. You know, where you have a little holiday from your day and a little holiday from your sleepless nights. Uh, and uh, the way I attempt to accomplish that, I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use these lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones and uh, friendly, you know, friendly banter like stuff. My uh, pauses, you know, maybe like uh, mis- brain mis, you know, my brain miscalculates and misfires. And, you know, positive attitude. I, I try to keep my, I check my critic at the door and my brain bots actually. Like I, I, can, I can bring my brain, the things that keep me up at night. Actually, the weird thing is, I guess this is a paradox. The things that keep me up at night are welcome uh, to be here in the podcast studio when I'm like to, to sit around me like little children listening to a story here. Like, like uh, I, I wanted to say I check them at the door, but I bring them in with me. And I feel like at bedtime, I don't feel very welcoming. I say, can you just leave me? Like here, I'm like, hey, gather around. I'm going to tell another bedtime story. And I hope everybody's good. Does everybody have their cushion? Like uh, for what I, what I, if you're new, brain bots, I call the different things that keep me up, you know, all the different thoughts and and feelings and stuff. So when I do the podcast, I try to be as welcoming and as open-minded and uh, empathetic or compassionate, whatever, whatever it is to say, Hey, geez, it must be tough being a brain bot. must be tough being a person. That's why I make this show and I want to help you fall asleep. Now, if you're new, let me go run through the structure of the show. 
Uh, at the top of the show, we have about six minutes of business. Uh, that's how we keep the podcast free in our huge archives, over 500 and uh, well, I think over 550 episodes uh, that you can choose from to listen to to put you to sleep. And the sponsors and the patrons enable us to do that. So if you're new, not that important. If you're a regular listener, kind of critical, they check out that part. But after that part, you don't really need to listen. Um, like then we do an intro about 12 to 15 minutes that we've started here. The intro is kind of like a show within a show. Some listeners get ready for bed and listen to it. Some listeners fall asleep listening to it. And some listeners skip it right to the Star Trek talk or the stories. But it's kind of meant to set the mood and create the safe place. Uh, like uh, like it's the ante room, I guess. Like if, if this is a fort, uh, you know, you got to climb in, you know, where you climb in, where you say, oh, I'm going into a fort. You know what I mean? That's kind of important. The entry into a fort, even a pillow fort or a um, tree house, there's a moment where you cross into it and you say, okay, I'm in a special place now. And this, I guess, it takes 12 or 15 minutes to create that, I think. Uh, so uh, so there's an intro. Then we'll start talk about Star Trek, uh, and then we'll have some thank yous and good nights. There's also non-Star Trek shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, it's every week, you know, so, you know, maybe sometimes during the holidays, it will run a rerun and, uh, you know, each show takes about 20 hours of labor to make, uh, uh, cause I want it, like, I want it to be as feels free and easy as it, it can, uh, and to bring the best quality lulls I can possibly bring to you. So that's a structure show. There's really no ways to misuse this podcast. I mean, I guess like playing it loud out some, to annoy somebody, that would be a misuse of it. But it's a podcast you don't really get to listen to. You can kind of listen to it. And you're not under any pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here to keep you company the whole time. I never start dialing it in. You know, this is my one level right here. And it's 100% total goofball. Goofus, I, I would I, I would embrace that term. Uh, not sure what it means exactly, but I'll take it. Dunce, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take. I'm taking dunce back. I'm taking that dunce dunce cap, and uh, well, probably don't give me a like. If you give me a cap like that, it's going to get stained and ruined anyway. But you know, I'll reclaim that word word for positivity. I'll be the dunce uh, positive dunce. Uh, my fiftieth autobiography, positive dunce. Or dunce positive, but that would be more like a, uh, that would be more of like a child, you know, like a coming of age uh, story, seventh or eighth grade. I, I could probably write a story about my seventh or eighth grade experience, call that dunce positive. But uh, so if you're new here, so tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about Captain's Holiday. And I did say this podcast idea is to kind of put you in a, like a vacation like space. Uh, Whenever I think of holiday, I think of the Madonna song holiday, but then I think of La Isla Bonita. And I don't know if she was on holiday when she was on La Isla Bonita. Because, uh, like, like, most of the lyrics, I, I don't remember ever. I, I really don't remember very many lyrics from anything. So strange. My daughter has, like, a very good memory. I've never had a good memory. Like, I, it would take me, like, uh, I remember I would try to memorize songs to impress girls I had a crush on. 
because that's what the dudes that were successful at my school would do. But I would always have trouble remember, you know, remembering the words and memorizing them, performing them, and making people laugh. I never had a problem with that part. But I think it was a different, uh, like that adoration I never got. But anyway, not important. Not about me. It's about you. What am I doing? It's about the captain's holiday. And it, but it, like if, like to 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 quote Madonna, to misquote Madonna, it's a place where you could feel all right. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, and that's what I want this podcast to be. We're not just you uh, feel all right, but all those things that are monitoring you, the brain bots, that are trying to keep a track on your vigilance and your efficiency and your health and your your diet and your career and the past and your relationships. And it seems like you get in bed and all of them have clipboards or pie charts or evaluations or regrets, or they have different tools they use with you. I want them to feel welcome, too, because they have a tough job. Uh, you know, they just have these unipurpose functions, and, uh, you know, then they think, well, geez, I'll just get their attention at bedtime. I'll get all, we'll get all this efficiency stuff ironed out. We're totally moving to the Pareto principle with uh, we're combining a tomato timer and a Tabata timer. And tomorrow our workday is going to be so efficient. Uh, I just got to convince them of that before they go to sleep. You know, they don't realize that that's like the worst possible time to cover efficiency. And be, well, you need to buy these, both these apps and then see if they'll work in, in, in tandem. Okay, well, can I do this at another time other than bed? You know, like I was on YouTube half the day today. Why didn't you bring it up then? Well, because we were laughing at those cats. Uh, we we had other things to do. Yeah, but that was so. That was your idea to laugh at cats. Uh, and now you're on my case. Yeah, but those were cats. We were laughing at them. Remember the cat jumped. That was great with the fish. Remember that part? You remember when they added the effects in with the lasers with the cat? That was great. Okay, but so. You're on my case about efficiency, but then you want to watch cat videos tomorrow. How many? Well, yeah, if we get those timers, we will need to watch the cat videos. It'll fix everything. And I, to be honest, I wish you were better managing me. Yeah, but it was your, like, okay, I just want to go to bed, though. I don't want to cover it. So this is where Scoots comes in, because that's tough for a person to uh, debate yourself. So I come in, I give you a little bit of silly stuff. We talk about uh, Star Trek, and uh, I'll talk about some details. I'll try to drone on. It'll be a spirit of to be here and keep you company, and to know that uh, whether you're a human or brain bot, whether you're on the road or you're at home dealing with something or you just have a snoring partner or a sick child, whatever it is, I, I want to be here for you. Now this is the this is the way I do it is this show so so it doesn't work for everybody unfortunately you know I wish it did work for you so if you're new my advice would be to give it a couple of tries try it for a few nights that seems to be the universal thing that regular little listeners say but I think regular listeners also agree that it doesn't work for everybody I'm weird then that's not insulting. And this podcast is goofy. It's got a super long introduction. Then I talk about Star Trek on Sundays or Game of Thrones or other stuff. Or, you know, on Tuesdays, I, you know, a different story every time. 
and Thursdays, it's like a uh, episodic series. But I mean, I'm here for you. I'm here to try to help. Uh, and I mean, like, uh, and try to help you to be better tomorrow, uh, to be rested. That's what you deserve. But then maybe you'll be better at whatever you do tomorrow. And maybe, you, you know, you'll be in a position to help somebody else out. Or just help yourself out and say, you know, give yourself a thumbs up when you're brushing your teeth tomorrow. And say, man, you know, you're doing the best you can. And, you know, if you get a chance to help somebody else out or give them a smile or, uh, you know, give them a thumbs up too. I mean, that's where the magic of the podcast happens tomorrow for you. If I can help. So I hope I can. And that's why I say it every episode. I'm glad you're here. I really hope I work hard and I yearn and I strive. Or, you know, if that means the same thing, I just said it twice. Uh, Because putting you to sleep is so nice. And I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming by. And I really hope I'll be able to fall asleep, all right? All right, everybody, we're taking it all the way back to April 2nd, 1990 for Captain's Holiday, Season 3, Episode 19. And, you know, I don't know how far away this was from when Madonna sang Holiday uh, or uh, Tropical the Island Breeze. I think that those albums were probably, this is where I long to be, La Isla Bonita. And this isn't La Isla Bonita or... uh, It is a holiday, though. The captain does take a holiday, and it's not in quotes, but it could be. And it opens with uh, some visuals. It opens with, like, a Polynesian, or maybe it used to be called pre-Columbian art. I don't know what it's called anymore, like a a statue uh, farm, statue farm form. And that's a little bit of a foreshadowing, the statue is. Uh, there's tropical sounds, a nice sound design. There's people in resort or like a vacation cruise wear. And then there's uh, like iridescent row. Oh, uh, something I can't read. Bikinis. Does that say bikinis? Iridescent robes and shirts. I don't know if it says bikinis or... It like it looks like Rikerini's, uh, and we see two uh, humanoids come in. They're very interesting, and uh, I have a note here to pause it and describe them to you, so that's what I'm going to do now. And they're very interesting. They kind of look like they're in uh, the texture of their outfits, so they're humanoids. This is going to be tough uh, to describe. Uh, they're they're in like ribbed pajamas. That's the only way I could describe it, and I don't think that's accurate with a mother of pearl inlay. I guess it could also be in car like carpet, like uh, in non HD, which is what I'm watching it in right now. It looks like their their clothing is made from layers of shag carpet, but in HD it looks a little bit more like a pajama type material. You know what would be great for is podcasting, not doing the podcast, but having those outfits hanging on walls would really baffle and absorb sound very well. But, yeah, they they also have mittens on. I don't think I've ever covered this in a podcast, but I prefer mittens over gloves, uh, probably because my circulation's poor or something. 
Because my, my circulation is always saying, well, "We got to. Are we ever going to defrost this heart? We can't. We can't do, to deal with the." Uh, but so then they have uh, mother pearl inlays. The color of their outfit is a. Uh, so the mother pearl looks like mother pearl, like the inside of an oyster or a, like a, some sort of mollusk. There's another great, another uh, great uh, ween, the mollusk. I think that might be, I I love it. I remember playing that over and over again, and then no one appreciated it like I did. Check that out on Spotify. But so I guess I'm buying time because I can't really, they're almost indescribable. The color is like a rusty, man, I got to get, I got to expand my vocabulary. So that's just their outfit. Like their color, color is like kind of like a rusty, uh, goldish, goldish rust color, nearly copper. Thanks vocabulary brain for stepping in there. And so their hands are covered. I don't know about their feet. I'm not seeing their feet at the moment, but then their, uh, their faces and their heads are interesting. They have like, a. Like possibly frontal gills where they're like between their nose and their mouth. They have mouths. They have like a, they have very foldy scalps, uh, like uh, possibly exoskeleton features. Uh, they look like uh, they're, they're stripy. You got to see them. And I forget what they're called. I, I probably won't even remember that till the end. I think that's a pretty good description of uh, what they look like. They look, uh, Oh, also, they like because their outfits are so um, cozy. They really don't look uh, like they don't look. Um, they don't look beautiful. I, I don't want to hurt their feelings because I just. I mean, it's just something about guild creatures. With uh, uh, also, they have a communicator built into their skull, or something that it looks like a square of like European chocolate. Uh, but they're interesting looking, but they're not like a uh, off putting in a way like we're, we're like they're very sleepy. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So they show up. They're actually looking for Jean, they're look they're at the resort looking for Jean-Luc Picard. And they go up, uh, they hope to like, uh, especially when you find out where you're vacationing, they go up to some sort of public uh, thing, ruins your privacy. They say, what room's Jean-Luc Picard in? And the computer says, we did no record of, like, that's what it, you'd want the computer to say if you actually weren't there. But it's actually, I didn't even realize it's foreshadowing because they go, well, the, the computer says, not here. And they say, well, when is Jean-Luc Picard coming? Computer says, we don't have him on schedule. And then one of the two creature humanoids is like, well, do you think we got the wrong place? And the other one says, uh, no, he'll be here. Uh, then we get a f- uh, first officer's log. Captain Picard had a long, like, long week uh, dealing with the Gamarians and the and their neighbors, the Dracolids or something. And uh, Troy comes onto the thing. She's beaming onto the bridge. She says, welcome back. She says, it's good to be back. And they do a quick handhold, Riker and uh, um, Troy, like a greeting handhold. And they say, geez, it was a difficult negotiation. The captain's exhausted. And then the captain comes on and says, get to Starbase 12. Give me a report, Will. He says, how's things going when I was gone? And Will's like, uh, oh, because the people he was dealing with were very stubborn. And Will Riker says, geez, everything went good while you were gone. Uh, no, no worries. Uh, and he goes, okay, if you need me, I'm going to be in my ready room. 
And then Riker goes, by the way, congratulations on solving that problem. And Picard goes, what problem? And he goes, the trade agreement. And Picard goes, mm -hmm. I liked how Will said, sir. And uh, so then he storms off. Uh, hmm. Like, almost like he was about to huff. And then Riker says to Troy, is something bothering Captain? And she goes, yeah, he's under a lot of stress. He's captain of the ship. Uh, he tried, you know, he wants to solve problems. He tried with the Gamarians. And Riker says, hey, what should we do? And Troy goes, well, I got an idea. How about we put him on vacation? And uh, Will gets a smile. Uh, then the episode opens. And it opens with a shot of Picard's desk, and I paused it here. There's one, two, three, four uh, pads, P-A-D-D -D devices, like iPad-type devices of different sizes. Uh, then there's, like, the neon ones that are in their holder. Uh, then Picard's holding one. So one, two, three, four, four. He's got one in his hand, and he's working on his little netbook. And also the geodes behind him. Then the doorbell rings, and... Uh, uh, Crusher comes in, and she goes, Sir, I got to tell on somebody that's uh, so exhausted, and they're totally ignoring it. And Picard kind of scratches his head. He goes, Okay, tell me, what, what's the deal? What's the treatment? And uh, Crusher goes, Oh, the, the, it's you, and you got to take a shore leave. And she goes, They could order you to. And he goes, Oh, you won't. I loathe vacations, Beverly. And she goes, no, no, you love going on vacation. You don't love getting there. She goes, what about when you went to Zycan or Zycam? And he goes, no, I didn't like that. And he goes, I'll just do, do you know, I'll go for some walks when we're doing overhaul at Starbase 12. And she goes, no, no, no. And he goes, well, there's a conference I could check out. And she goes, the last thing you need is serious thought. She, like, leans right in when he, she says that, uh, and uh, he goes, she, 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 he's like, and she goes, Captain. And he goes, Doctor. He raises his voice even more. And then she crosses her arms and kind of gives this smirk. Uh, she's trying to get him, you know, to go on a fun vacation as a friend. I mean, this is very, uh, like, she's like, you deserve some time off. And that's when she says, Captain, because he's like, no. And he goes, Doctor, enough. And then she crosses her arms and kind of smirks. Then we get a shot of the Enterprise. And this is an instant classic. This episode has some instant, probably, if you didn't like Will Riker, like, before, the odds of you loving him after this episode are high. I mean, he's got, like, holy cow. So three six forty five. if you want to start the, like, uh, instant classic Riker moments. And we'll have a little chat about the, um, some of the, like, the one issue about it. But uh, Riker, like, Captain Picard's getting on the lift. Riker comes. Uh, he's got the biggest grin. I put one, two, three, five-star grin. He goes out to the lift, and uh, he goes, where are you going? Like, but Picard means on the lift. I, I go the bridge. And then Riker goes, no, on shore leave. Uh, and he goes, halt. And he tries to pitch him. He goes, he got a perfect vacation. He goes, spots right by here. And he goes, is that clear? And Riker goes, no, no. He goes, it's called Risa, which if you've watched, we, it's come up two other times. Uh, but he, he, he's totally pitching. Like he maybe like, uh, I don't know what season the game was. So that was probably it for vacations to Risa. 
And also, uh, Crusher was saying to, to, to uh, who works for her, uh, to go to Risa on a date, you know. But Riker goes, it's a place called Risa, and believe me, it's a paradise. Warm tropical breezes, exotic food. And there's nothing to do but sit around all day and enjoy the quiet and the, uh, like, uh, like, seems like, a, like, a, uh, they use the term the women. I think in a more advanced state, I would say, wouldn't it be, like, if this was equal, it would just be, uh, like, a, it, it, let's see, how do we do this on a sleep podcast? Erotic, like, a, like, a sensual release for all. But whatever, Will says, you know, you gotta get, you wouldn't believe the release you're going to have down there. Uh, like they get, like they got all the pleasure centers figured out. Uh, and he even says, I'm sure you'll find their outlook on life very appealing. You got to do it. It was a great pitch. And then there's, he's still pitching even when they walk onto the bridge, like the doors open and his back is to the door. And Vicard's like, no, 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 no. I got to watch the repairs on the ship. And Riker's like, what about Risa, man? Come on. And then he falls right into the trap because as soon as they sit down, I think it was a setup. Uh, Troy says, oh, by the way, my mom's coming on. She can't wait to see you. She's going to hang with us like uh, the whole time we're at uh, the planet. And Riker says, that's great news. And I haven't seen any episodes with Troy's mother, but I heard she's a handful for Picard. And then Picard's like, Will, I got to talk to you and back. Uh, 7.42, oh, is the look of Picard's face when she says, my mother, really good one. And then I say, uh, did she hand on chin in Commander? So I don't know what that means. But then he says, yeah, well, he goes, well, can I have a word with you? And he says, are you guys, everybody on a ship trying to get me on vacation? And Will goes, basically, he goes, this is harassment. Uh, and he goes, well, I am, I must admit I'm a little tired. And Will, like, uh, he gets a, such a grin. You could tell, like, uh, this is a really good episode for how the people's affinity uh, for uh, Ricard. So then we cut to... Uh, a shot of the Enterprise, and Picard's kind of in a blue robe-like shirt. Uh, and this is kind of like around 9 minutes and 10 seconds. You get another great uh, Riker smile because uh, Picard's packing, and Riker's like, well, beam your bags. Or Troy looks, you very, look very handsome. And then Riker's like, you're going to read all these books? And Picard goes, yeah, James Joyce, totally. Uh, totally light reading. Vincuda. And Ricard goes, that's an, and then there's that Riker goes, he's smiling and laughing. He goes, can I tell, did I ever tell you how imaginative the Riesian lovers are? And Troy goes, yeah, too many times. You've mentioned it enough, Will. Too many times. By the way, don't bring any games on board. Which is really funny, like great looks on his face. And then they go down a walk and then he's practically laughing, Riker. He goes, I do have one request. Uh, he, he goes, can you bring back a Horgon for me? It's this thing. He goes, you'll be able to find it easy. And Picard goes, yeah, whatever you wish, Will, I'll bring one on. And then Worf's like, geez, could we have somebody go with you? But Picard's like, no, 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 I'll be fine. And then he goes, you're in charge, number one. And then everyone's like, Troy's like, enjoy your trip. He goes, I'll try. And then he walks off and R R Riker goes, 
He's smiling so big. He goes, he's going to have a great time. I know he is. Almost felt like a comedy. So then Riker beams into the lobby of this hotel, a tropical paradise, uh, you know, tropical plants, people like uh, dressed in tropical outfits, uh, tantric statues. Uh, Riker's walking around looking at the foliage. Really, he is. There's a couple of palm trees and stuff. And then he stops, he bumps into this woman and he says, oh, I'm sorry. And then she sees a, uh, um, like, a, like, what are those things called? I can't remember, uh, a Guntharian or whatever they're called. And she kisses, uh, Ricard and he goes, oh, do I know you? She goes, oh, actually, I made a mistake in you for somebody else. Uh, she goes, welcome to Risa, by the way. And Ricard goes, well, I would have preferred a handshake, uh. And he walks off, and then as he's walking off, uh, we see the two uh, humanoids from the opening, and they're almost like blending into the wall, not on purpose. They aren't, they're, not, they're only in a partial chameleon mode. Uh, like, like just uh, Picard didn't notice them, but uh, they're kind of hiding out in the back. Uh, then, what does that mean? AA. I don't know what that means. Uh, oh, add. <laughs> So my initials, I thought. And then we see a woman in a bold, gold bikini sunbathing, some drinks getting changed out, uh, making some make-out sessions, leg massages. Then we see Picard reading. He gets splashed with some water while he's reading his book by, you know, some uh, people flirting or whatever. He has an actual beach towel, like one you'd get at like a, like a, like a regular beach towel. Then somebody comes by their playing hoverball, and the hoverball gets in Picard's grill. But ends up the woman works there. I still understand the arrangement of working there, but she tries to stir up a conversation with Picard and Picard because you're the fifth woman trying to hit on me. I'm just trying to read a book here. I want to be left alone. And she goes, "Well, what about when you're done reading?" And he goes, "I haven't thought that far ahead." And she goes, well, you could go for a swim or a massage. Uh, and Picard to like, uh, very crotchety. This is exactly what I'm like all the time. And she goes, well, just so you know, you you say you want to be alone, but you got the Horgon out. And he goes, well, I just bought it. Uh, and she goes, well, uh, and he goes, what do you mean? What do you mean about the Horgon? And she goes, well, that's a recent symbol of uh, open sexuality. And she goes, if you have it out, it means you're seeking Jamah Haron, like a phony phone. And Picard goes, Riker. And she goes, are you seeking Jamah Haron? And Picard goes, no, 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 it's for a friend. And she goes, oh, really? Someone you really love? He goes, uh, I wouldn't go that far. And she goes, geez, you are puzzling, uh, Picard. Jamaharon, I love that. Uh, she goes, yeah, your attitude's the most puzzling. She goes, I'll leave you to your book. So then Picard, as soon as she walks by, Picard hides his Jamaharon, or his phony phone. It was Horgon in, a, in another uh, blank uh, beach towel. Oh, then a Ferengi, that's what they're called. A Ferengi and Tropical Prince. And even his little back thing matches, uh, or his headpiece or whatever, matches his shirt. He looks like he's dressed in, uh, like he stole a, uh, like a, a print from like one of the cushions or something. 
And he's blocking Picard's son. Picard goes, dude, you're blocking my son. And the guy says, I want my disc. And Picard goes, I don't know what you're talking about, but you got to get out of my son. He goes, I know you have the disc. And Picard goes, you're messing with the wrong dude. And then the uh, Ferengi walks around his chair and leans in. And he goes, I'm losing patience with you. He goes, we got to talk. And Picard goes, Ferengi demands mean nothing to me. And Ferengi goes, I've, have, I've, you've never dealt with a Ferengi then. And Picard goes, oh, I've dealt with a few. And he goes, he goes then don't, you don't trifle with Ferengi. And Picard goes, you don't trust him either. And the guy keeps going. The Picard slams his book shut. And he glares and he stands up and he goes, listen closely because I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm supposed to be on vacation. And that's what I'm here for, to read a book. I'm not here for Jamaharon or your discs or whatever. So hit the road. And the Frankie just laughs. He goes, hey, you expect me to believe your feeble lies? And Ricard goes, just hit the road, man. And uh, the Frankie goes, I want my disc. Uh, and then the Frankie goes to leave. And then he comes back. He goes, by the way, I saw you kissing my girlfriend, too. And it was great. Uh, and then Ricard lays back down to zone out. And then someone's like, hello. And Ricard goes, oh, it's you. And it was a woman that kissed him at the beginning. He goes, I'm not seeking any Jamaharon. He goes, I don't want to be rude, but I'm not, you know, I'm not here. I, he goes, hey, I, I, I'm going to read a book. It's just as much maroning and jawing as I need. And she goes, maybe she could try it sometimes. And he goes, if I try it, it'll be at a time of my own choosing, which was pretty funny. And uh, she, her name's Bash. And then this gets into like a very uh, Indiana Jones style story in a good way. And she goes, well, geez, we're making a lot of assumptions. And Ricardo goes, well, it's just you kissed me. And uh, he goes, and I, I usually like to know the women I kiss. So then they shake hands, just like Indiana Jones, at, like beginning of an adventure. You even have like a little tug and pull at, at their handshake. And then she's like, kind of like asking Picard questions. He wants to go back to reading books. He goes, listen, I'm a captain of a starship, which is a bad idea to share that. And she goes, no wonder you're so uh, assertive with that Ferengi. Oh, at some point, Picard gets up and storms off. She goes, where are you going? He goes, to find some privacy. Because uh, he goes, I don't want to deal with this privacy, he says. Then they run right into the Ferengi who says, I knew you two were in business together. And Bash or Vash, I think her name's Vash, but I call her Bash. She slips the disc into Picard's uh, robe. And then the woman, Bash and the Ferengi, they argue for about the disc or something for a little while. And Picard goes back to his room. He walks in the room and he has a WTF moment because the purple chainmail people, that's what I called them in this one. They're just doing some kind of laser scan of his room, and they just look up like, hey, what's up? And Picard goes, what in the hell are you doing? And they go, we're, we're, we're Vorgons from the future, from the 27th century. I felt like it was like a band that like uh, Andy and Conan would be in, like on the show, uh, the Conan, Conan O'Brien show. Uh, and Picard goes, well, why are you scanning my room? And they go, do you know what the Tox Utat is? And Picard goes, I've heard the legend, a visitor from the future left behind a device known as the Tox Utat. Uh, 
And he goes, is that real? They go, oh, yeah, the Caldano had it, and it, uh, it halts all nuclear reactions within a star, a powerful device, and people have been trying to steal it. Uh, Indiana Jones previously involved his kids, you know, Nad- Nadia and Luke Jones uh, Jr., but uh, they said, geez, we figured out that you're the one that has it, according to historical records. And they said, we were just carbon dating your room, actually. Uh, you discovered it while you were on vacation here. And, it, 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 we, 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 you know, so do you have it yet? He goes, no. And they go, when you get it, can you give it to us? Uh, and he goes, I guess so. If you're from the future, then uh, it's not, yeah, I guess so. And then they touch the chocolate bars on their ears, like their uh, computers that are linked to their brains or whatever, and they disappear. Oh, also in 1910, Picard is doing pointing with the uh, fertility statue. I thought that was good. There's a commercial while he's talking to the Vorgons. And his robe's open. He's got kind of like a um, this interesting robe. really looks comfortable. But it's also like it has two different lengths to kind of cover your um, your taxutad or your jamaharoner. And even mean that as a like a whatever anima. But if you had a jamaharoner, it would cover that because uh, its pocket goes right over. And he's holding his hands in his pocket right now, and uh, he pulls it out, and uh, there's he finds the disc. Uh, yeah, one side longer than the other to cover, but it's a short robe, but it would be comfortable if Picard had longer shorts on. Yeah, I'd love it. It looked really good. I, I guess I like, because uh, I don't like long robes. I guess that's what I like about it. And then Picard says, uh, well, it's not a part. So what does that mean? Oh, that's, he's still talking to them. Then they phase out. They, he says, yeah, I guess so. If you're from the future, I'd give you whatever. And they have a much more futuristic pattern when they phase out. And then Picard finds it. Then he goes back to uh, Bash's room. Her room's been trashed. But she's, like, doing this WTF thing where she's trying to put together the flowers in the, the flower planner. And this is where we first see the chairs. The print on the chairs kind of matches the Ferengi's outfit. And she flips over a chair. She says, have a seat. Let's chat. And Picard sits down and crosses his legs like he's all business. Also, speaking of robes, she's wearing a robe that kind of looks a bit like a shower curtain. And it's like weird and puffy. Even Sophia was like, her robe's weird. Uh, but Picard talks about, he goes, you know where the tax Utah is? This is very Indiana Jones moment. I don't know if it was an homage but I assume it was, uh, and it's pretty good homage because, uh, you, you know, Jean-Luc's so good, and they're kind of flirting, and, playing, you know, she's, like, doling out the information slowly. She turns over a tree, uh, and she's like, uh, okay, there's got to be some kind of secret here. And she goes, well, I kind of know where it is, uh, and I'm going to bring it to the Daystrom Institute for study. So we get to Daystrom Institute again. We dealt with the Daystrom Annex. But she's like, I got to get away from uh, uh, Slovak. Uh, and I love how Picard kicks back for a while with his legs crossed. And he la- they laugh at the Ferengi in the Ferengi logic. Uh, 
And then after she says Daystrom, like adventure, Picard steps up, uh, and they're very flirty. He's like, well, you know, I'd like to give out some orders and find it. Uh, and she's like, I don't need any, I don't need a partner in Indiana. And he goes, from the moment I met you, I knew you were going to be trouble. And she goes, you look like a man who could handle trouble. And this was, I was like, is this Westworld? Uh, and she goes, so it's 27 kilometers out, le- out, out east in some subterranean caves. Picard goes, I'll be in, be in the lobby in 15 minutes. And he says, be punctual. And oh, by the way, change your clothes. Wear something more, uh, you know, more, more uh, what do you call that, uh, functional. I love how he said, be punctual. And she goes, we're going to make a wonderful team. Then you cut to, they just cut right to, uh, both of them are in adventure gear. And they both really look good. Uh, uh, They look like, kind of like Star Wars adventure gear, but not quite. And then Sovak, the Ferengi, rolls up uh, in his chair print shirt. And he's got a hose sprayer on that he claims is a weapon. It looks like he took it off a 1985 hose, and he says, I'm going to spray you up. Uh, and he's very good with his, uh, like, uh, thing. And he even said, like, he goes, I, he goes, don't, didn't she tell you the truth? She goes, I paid her to steal the tattoo tat. Uh, then she stole the money from me. And she goes, oh, that's not what happened. And he goes, yeah, she's a greedy, unscrupulous woman, Jean-Luc. And then he takes a deep breath, and he goes, a perfect mate for a Ferengi. And Picard goes, you're becoming quite annoying, Sovak. And Ferengi says, yes, so are you. And then they do the old toss the backpack to the Ferengi and take his hose sprayer move. Because uh, they throw the backpack, he catches it. Picard takes his uh, hose sprayer, makes him take a nap. Uh, and then Bash had, been, oh, Picard throws the uh, hose sprayer away. Then he puts the backpack on. Originally, Bash had had it. Uh, that's a pretty old trick. Uh, and they go, let's get moving. We got a long trip uh, ahead of us. Then they cut to a commercial. They come back. They're in a cave at night with crickets, getting ready for bed. Small, oh, Picard has a small tip a tin tumbler or aluminum tumbler he's drinking out of. And he's like drinking and pacing and holding it. And they're kind of talking around uh, being in a cave at night. Picard goes, we should sleep here. She goes, I hope you'd say that. And Picard goes, yeah, he goes, we're making great time. And, and they're kind of talking. And, and he goes, she, he says, uh, he goes, she goes, is that a compliment? He goes, yeah, it was intended as a compliment. So we're making great time. So then she comes and sits next to him. First, she leans over over him, like, real close and puts something down. And then she sits down. And uh, she goes, by the way, I haven't been totally honest with you, uh, Jean-Luc. And she kind of, like, plays with her fingers and looks at the ground. And Picard goes, I'm not exactly surprised. She goes, Sovak did pay me for the disc. Uh, and then Ricardo goes, well, did you steal it? She goes, well, it wasn't stealing. It was professors. And she goes, I've been working for five years. Uh, and then they go back, you know, she goes, well, Picard goes, well, did you take Sovak's money? And she goes, yeah, to get here. But he got what he deserved, uh, nothing. 
And here goes, well, any woman that can beat a Ferengi at his own game bears watching. And he takes a long drink, and she goes, well, I'll take that compliment, too. I'm flattered. And Vigar goes, mm, well. And that was at like 22, 30 or so. He, really deep, mm, well. Then he, pour, whoa, then he pours out the rest of his drink. It, clearly he made a decision when he says, mm, well, I think. Uh, and they have like, then they get down in this uh, this bedroll. They have like a copper shiny bedroll. And they get in bed together. And Vigar goes, okay, this is good. Let's get some sleep. But this was his move. You could clearly see this was the Jean, one of Jean-Luc's moves. And it's a good one. He rolls over and hogs the blanket and then pretends to go to sleep. Uh, but then he rolls back and lies on his back. Like, so he, she has to confront him about the blanket uh, and talk to him. Yeah, the, the, I mean, there's more flirty, like, indirect conversation. But uh, after he steals the blanket, uh, yeah, she she can't sleep. But Picard knows this because he's uh, stolen, you know, he's already stolen it. Uh, and she looks over at him, and then he's, she gets up on her elbow. He's got his eyes closed. And then she laughs, and she goes, uh, she goes, I loved that look on your face when you thought I was offering you Jamaharon. And Picard's like, well, I wasn't, what, what? he goes, uh, well, I was. He goes, yeah, it was a misunderstanding. And she goes, huh, well, she goes, you were, she, she goes, are you, she, you, you seemed a little disappointed when I turned you down. Then Picard laughs. He goes, you're outrageous. And she says, thank you. And then it's, uh, uh, she goes, you're pretty stimulating yourself, which is, holy, uh, and she goes, we're a lot alike. Uh, that's why we get along so well. And Picard goes, you call this getting along? And then he shows her what it really means getting He goes, uh, he goes, is this what you'd call Jamaharon? And he gives her a very tender kiss. It's like, like, and he touches her face after. First they do, ma- I mean, it's more than one kiss. It's, uh, and obviously it's very tender though. And she goes, do you still think I'm trouble? And Picard goes, I'm sure of it, uh, as he, like, kind of pushes her hair out of the, out of the way. And they go from uh, one kind of spelunking to another, because they go, like, they're spelunking in a cave next. Uh, yeah, like, it, it never, it even, like, uh, there's a montage of them, like, uh, searching the cave or making their way through it. And they go into this uh, big room, uh, like, uh, and they go, this is the room. This is the, where we, we've tried to journey to. This is after, the, like, uh, this is like the next morning. Sorry about that, to be clear. And they go seven more meters in. And she's got, like, a GPS geocaching app, but it stops working. She goes, I can't figure out exactly where it is. So Picard pulls, like, two portable shovels out of the backpack. He goes, shall we? And I said, geez, you brought two portable shovels. You really are a Boy Scout. Holy moly. I wouldn't have brought zero. And the last thing I would know where to get on Risa would be shovels. You know, that would be like, uh... but then the fish people, now I call them the fish people transport in the Vorgons. Uh, and she goes, who are they? And Picard goes, they're security officers from the 27th century. You never saw them on Conan? I just like that. Security officers from the 27th century. And Picard goes, they're here to take back the Utah, you know, 
He goes, and he goes, I don't think they're into Jamaharone. Then the Ferengi shows up with like a Nerf shooter and it's all going off, you know, and, uh, it, like the Ferengi goes, keep digging, uh, he goes, I want you to dig dig this whole hole. I don't know why the, uh, like, I guess everybody's waiting for the Tenga Rod or whatever it's called. Uh, then they cut to an ad because, uh, you know, the Frankie's got them where he wants them. And they come back from the ad and Picard looks jacked in this next scene. Like he has no shirt sleeves on and uh, he looks ripped. Uh, and they're, he, they're, they're just figuring, finishing digging. Picard's like, all right, I'm not digging anymore. He goes, there's no, he goes, there's nothing here. He goes, it can't, he goes, this thing must be gone. Uh, it was never here. We had, like, the doctor was wrong. And uh, Sovak's like, no. And then even Vash is like, maybe the professor was wrong. I don't believe it either. And Sovax goes, this can't be happening. And this was an interesting character reveal for Sovak. He goes, not another failure. Not after coming so close. And one of the Vorgons, like, most puzzling, and then they just beam away. And then Fo- Fo- Sovak says, I can't be cheated out of my prize, I can't. And then uh, Picard and uh, Bash leave, and they go, if you want to keep digging, go for it. Uh, and Sovak keeps digging, keeps looking for it. Like, he's digging in a total panic. Then they go back to the hotel, everybody's got aching necks, uh, like Picard and Bash, and then they kind of share a romantic look. Uh, but she goes, five years of my life wasted. I can't believe I, we couldn't find that uh, Dashutant or whatever. And uh, Picard goes, there's other treasures to find, Bash, uh, like your eyes. And she goes, uh, no. She goes, I need to be alone for a little while, actually. And uh, she gives him a kiss on the cheek, and Picard leaves. And then she turns to the camera and gives a little look where we say, hmm, bum, bum, bum. Then we go to Picard's room. He's out on his porch or his uh, veranda. What is, they have another term for it, but Lanai, listening to night sounds. And then Riker calls in. He says, uh, Picard turns around. His communicator's in his bag. This is at uh, 3710, I think, uh, and Riker, even though he goes, hey, geez, I hope we're not interrupting anything important, Captain. We're cracking up. Uh, he goes, we're here to pick you up, though, whenever it's convenient for you. And Picard goes, yeah, I'll be back shortly. But he goes, get transporter code row 14 ready on my signal. And Riker was like, are you sure you don't mean, like, the one for the drugstore, like, transporter code uh 61, and Picard goes, no, 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 14, not the one when you, he goes, no, not the prophylactic code. And he goes, you heard me right. Uh, and then the, we go back to the lobby in Reset Night. Oh, first Picard takes uh, like a little pace and then takes a deep breath uh, or lets a deep breath out. Then we're at the Reset Lobby at night, and uh, Bash is trying to sneak out. And uh, Picard goes, leaving so soon? And she goes, well, I was going to say goodbye. Uh, I'm just going to come see you. And Picard goes, well, I saved you the bother. And she goes, geez, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to get all this over with. Uh, and Picard goes, well, there's one last thing you can do for me. 
And she goes, anything. Like, he kind of whispers it. And he goes, where's the taxu tat? And she goes, that's not very funny. And he goes, uh, where'd you hide it? Uh, and she goes, he goes, I know you didn't. He goes, I know you did something. He goes, you took it and then brought me there to distract uh, whatever the um, Gamorian guards or whatever, whoever, uh, Sovak, uh, and he goes, I know you were already there. And she goes, you're a man of many talents. And she picks up a horgon and it, it, the uh, taxu tots in a horgon's head. And she goes, a piece of the future. And Picard holds it up. It looks like one of those laser, laser etched, etched crystals you get at a street fair. Like they can laser an image inside of it. Then the uh, gloved pajama people show up with their shell radiant highlights, iridescent highlights of organs. And there's a little bit of a showdown. They say, give it to us. And she goes, no way. Uh, this is going to the Daystrom Institute. And Picard goes, she goes, are you just going to give it to them? And Picard goes, well, I'm assuming they have proof to back up their claim. And they go, our being here is proof enough. Uh, and she goes, Vorgons. The professor said Vorgons have been trying to get this. And then Picard goes, okay, you're going to have to prove who you are. Are you really from the future? And they say, like, uh, well, this is our right. We're from the future. Give it to us. And Picard goes, no. Then they stun Bash or Vash. Uh, so then Picard uses code 14 to just get rid of the crystal. He just nukes it. And then the, uh, they're like, geez, I can't believe it. Picard goes, go back home. Uh, nothing for you here. And they go, history will remember this. You filled your destiny. But they didn't seem too happy about it. Uh, then we're back at Picard's room. He's like packing his bags. And Vash Bosch is there. And she's holding his book. And she's stroking the leather, leather of his book uh, and enjoying it. Uh, and they just have a nice goodbye moment. She goes, well, geez, you don't need an archaeologist on that ship, do you? Like uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones? And Picard goes, I don't think starships your, your suit your taste. She goes, I could never tolerate all that discipline. And they said, holy subtext, what the heck? But then they have a funny another homage moment because she goes, well, I think I'm going to check out the ruins on Serthong 5. And Picard really raises his voice. He goes, unbelievable. You're, you can't, he goes, the Sarthogians are like Ming. Ming the Merciless. And she goes, why, Jean-Luc, I really do think you care about me. And he goes, stay out of trouble, please. And she goes, I always try. And then they kiss. Uh, and she goes, well, I wish we had more time to spend together. And Picard goes, well, maybe we will. The Vorgons are time travelers. Uh, maybe we'll repeat this moment again and again and again. And she goes, well, maybe. And let's see, then we see the ship, we see the Enterprise, and Picard walks really fast onto the uh, bridge. And Riker's like, welcome back. And he goes, status report? Riker's like, it's all good, everything's in great condition. And Picard goes, I'll thank, I'll present my compliments to the crew. Oh, by the way, got that Horgon. And Riker's like, I knew it, he has this huge smile. Uh, he goes, we'll have to have a little chat about that, uh, and Troy goes, was it a relaxing trip, uh, Captain? And again, he goes, uh-huh, 4425, another classic, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, said, he, didn't, he didn't say it like that, but he meant it like that, mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, I had a good time. I can't read that note. It looks like Canberry or Century. Uh, but then Riker goes, I knew he would have a good time. And with that, the episode comes to a close. Uh, good night.